You know, of course, that we live in an alien culture. You know that we're surrounded by all kinds of things that seem very, very strange. Now, how are we going to live? How are we going to share the message of Jesus Christ? What kind of people are we going to be in this culture? Well, my friend, it's important to ask ourselves, am I really a missionary? Am I the kind I ought to be? I'm Rex Bullock. This is Dayspring. Welcome to this worship service. Come on in. This is Dayspring, the broadcast that teaches God's standard for holy living. Hello, everybody. I'm Joe Alcorn, your program host. And on today's program, Rex's message title comes in the form of a question. What kind of missionaries are we? And this text is from Acts chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. Also today, our final visit with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, as he and Rex discuss the search for pleasure. Along with today's message and our sharing time, we've got worship. And we invite you to join us now as the singers give us a song called Testify to Love. All the colors of the rainbow Yeah. 
And you're listening to Dayspring, and we're glad you've tuned our way, my friend. And here's Rex now with our very special guest. Rex? Thank you so much, and I am just thrilled to get to be here today, along with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, senior pastor of Moody Memorial Church, speaker for three different radio programs, and author of a number of books. And this month, he's been with us. For this time on Dayspring, what a powerful time it's been. Dr. Lutzer, in the book that we are talking about, Seven Snares of the Enemy, you're talking about greed and gambling, alcoholism, all of these various areas. Last week we talked about sexual sin. Tell me about this whole area of uh, our search for pleasure. You know, Rex, we were created to search for pleasure. In fact, all of us act in such a way that we want to maximize happiness and minimize pain. The problem is not for our search for pleasure. The problem is that we seek the wrong pleasures, you know, and as a result of that, we seek the pleasures of the world, expecting those pleasures to do what only God can do. And so one of the points I like to make in that book is the fact that uh, uh, seeking for pleasure, the pleasures of God at his right hand are theirs for us to are there for us to enjoy but just the search for pleasure for fleshly pleasures or worldly pleasures is indeed disastrous it has led to an entire culture that is absorbed with itself an entire culture that is really filled with all kinds of devious ways to fill the emptiness of the human heart. So my challenge to people is go for pleasure, but let's go for the big pleasures like C.S. Lewis says. Let's go for the pleasures that exist on God's right hand. And I think we have to challenge young people along that line because most of the young people in Christian homes look at the world and think they've been gypped. They think to themselves, you know, if only I was not a Christian, I could do this, 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 this. That was the lie that is as old as Eden. Because you remember what Satan did is he emphasized the one tree that Adam and Eve could not eat from and blinded their eyes to the hundreds that they could eat from. It's an old trick, and it seems to work, but we have to combat it. Let's uh, let's just briefly wrap up. You, you deal with some really heavy issues in this book, and they're all very pertinent to us today. What's the remedy? How do we get out? Well, a number of different things. First of all, people have to uh, repent. And, you know, I often am asked this question. You know, so-and-so fell into immorality, and uh, and then he did it again, maybe. You know, well, was he repentant? The answer, Rex, is yes, he was repentant. But the question is not, was he repentant? The question is, is he still repenting? Mm. Luther had a point when he said that the entire Christian life has to be a life of repentance. So it starts there. It starts with cleansing. It also starts, though with healthy relationships within the body of Christ and accountability. I remember being in Washington, D.C., and a man asked to uh, walk with me. We walked around the block together, and he said, you don't know my name and you never will, but I want you to know that I spend $400 every single month on pornography. So how does a man get out of this pit? Mm -hmm. Well, as I mentioned in the first broadcast, you know, we can get into it alone, but we can't get out of it Mm -hmm. alone. So what we do is we enlist the help of the body of Christ. We learn to stand against the devil 
That's why I think the title of my book is Getting Free from Satan's Grip. That is the subtitle, Seven Snares of the Enemy, Getting Free from Satan's Grip. And in the process, we develop habits of righteousness. The fact that I've read God's Word today, and I did read today God's Word, the 15th chapter of Romans, actually, some of the verses have stuck with me today. Mm -hmm. And it's through that kind of cleansing, through the Word and the disciplines of the Word, that we begin to have a love of righteousness. Bottom line, and I know we have to go, what I say in the book is I want people to develop a passion for Christ that is greater than our passion to sin. Erwin Lutzer, it's been so good to have you this month on Dayspring. Thanks for being here. Thanks for giving us this tool. And, uh, my friend, I want you to claim your copy because here is a powerful instrument uh, in your hands to be victorious. And that's really what we talk about on Dayspring every week, how that you can be victorious over Satan's grip. So get your copy of Satan's or Seven Snares of the Enemy, Breaking Free from the Devil's Grip. Thank you, Rex. Say, we'd like to thank Dr. Lutzer for taking the time to visit us this month on Dayspring and to shed some insights on his newest book, Seven Snares of the Enemy. And say, listening friend, as supplies last, we'd like you to have it as you share a gift with this ministry. Our address is Post Office Box 56300, Portland, Oregon 97238. That's P.O. Box 56300, Portland, Oregon 97238. And to order by telephone, you can dial toll-free 1-800-783-DAYS, 1-800-783-DAYS. We'll certainly look for your letter this week. And now before today's message, the song, Thou Will Keep Him in Perfect Peace. Here's Rex with today's message, What Kind of Missionaries Are We? 
The missionary was on the move during his first days in a new culture. He listened carefully in the marketplace, tuning in as old and new ideas collided. Oh, yes, he talked with the politicians. He talked with the merchants and the academics and the religious leaders about the choices that define life. But mostly, the missionary just watched as people went about their daily lives, noting how they spent their time and their money. It grieved him to see so many people surrendering their bodies, their minds, their souls to idols. They flirted with truth, competing to see who could try out the most new ideas and idols. And finally, Athens leaders decided to hear what this missionary, this new strange individual had to say. His name was the Apostle Paul. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 17, it says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. Now, I want to just stop right there and ask you a very important question. What would Paul see if he visited in your town, in your city, perhaps your shopping mall, or, or the office in which you work, the schools where your children attend? Maybe even if he came into your own living room. What are the forces shaping you and shaping your family, shaping our culture, how we spend our time and how we spend our money? You know, on Mars Hill, Paul said that in God we live and move and have our being. It was the evangelical media critic Kenneth A. Myers who said of America, in television we live and move and have our being. Paul's words are true. Meyer's words are accurate, but the church pays little attention to the effect of popular culture on our lives. Oh, yes, periodically uh, people stand up and protest the content of a television show or, or they want to give uh, ratings to various uh, television productions or certainly in movies. And they're wanting to put statements, warning labels on videos or CDs. But we seem to think the rest of the culture really isn't worth listening to or that it doesn't affect us. Stop and think about it now. We expect foreign missionaries to study a new culture and then minister in that context. Missionaries know that culture influences what people believe about about various issues such as eternity or death, love, sexuality, marriage, or children and work, money, the meaning of life. And what about us? Well, anyone who studies culture in the Western world today knows that popular culture shapes most of what we see and hear about the big issues of life. That's right. Today's media are the merchants, they're the politicos, they're the preachers who compete in the marketplace. 
And I ask you, would Paul ignore the media? Would he tune out? Well, I'm convinced that uh, Western Christians relate to popular culture in five ways, and, and let's talk about them today. If we want to live biblically, the bottom line is that apathy is not an option. Men and women's souls are at stake. Now, here's one of the ways that people relate to the culture. They want to burn it. They just want to get rid of it. In extreme cases, separatist church leaders have responded by by making stacks of items from popular culture, such as rock and roll records and movies and videos, and, and they've they poured gasoline on them and struck a match to them. Well, that's certainly one way to look at it. Separatism must be taken seriously. There are some products of pop culture we must try to separate ourselves from. I don't think there's any question that we should have nothing to do whatsoever with child pornography or attacks on the dignity of women and the work of performers that are lewd and crude and socially unacceptable. But even separatists need knowledge of popular culture. The Amish have to know enough about cars to to know to put warning reflectors on their buggies. You see, in today's oppressive media climate, even the separatists must know enough to plan strategies. And then there are those who want to baptize the culture. Uh, This option has been called theology by opinion poll and usually is identified with the other side, kind of the left end of things. The assumption is that the Bible is a culturally dated book and that modern trends are the test of truth. Here's a case in point. If millions of teenagers want to have sex, then the Bible must be out of date in forbidding premarital sex. So, some churches have baptized the culture, attempting to stay relative. And, 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 you know, they want to help these teenagers by by perhaps uh, giving them uh, condoms or helping them in this regard. Now, While this approach soaks into the heart, a group that uses this option may appear on the surface to have changed very little. In many American churches, the rites look traditional and the prayers are ancient, but the words and the rites often have taken on new meaning. These are the people who kind of want to baptize the culture. Christianize that which is secular. Here's another way that people relate to popular culture. They want to photocopy it. Maybe this is the dominant approach among an awful lot of people in the church. The pop culture has radio, television, video. So we have Christian radio and Christian TV and Christian video. I mean, they have heavy metal music and rap. And so we have something quite similar. They have books about codependency. Ditto! Now, while some Christian culture may be a good thing, 
Should our main goal be to create a shadow world that allows us to avoid contact with unbelievers, where we sort of produce everything they're producing but put a Christian label on it? Well, while this approach leaves a religious institution's heart orthodox, or on the surface appearances change radically to reflect cultural trends and styles. Some churches do use various kinds of music or certain secular means to preach an old-fashioned gospel. But what if the media really is the message? Then caution is called for, isn't it? Here's another way that people approach the culture, and that's to change it. And we often think of liberals or social gospel activists as people who want to change the culture through their own efforts. But some years ago, this approach found converts, even among conservative peoples. Now again, I believe that this option is required on some issues. Christians have a biblical mandate to help reform the culture in which we live. Uh, We just can't write off chunks of God's creation, such as politics or or even the media. We can't just say they're beyond hope of redemption. But what's lost is when our primary goal is to vote in the kingdom or to invade the media and to correct all of the secular mistakes. So then some people want to relate to this culture by debating it. Debating the culture. Now, maybe this approach best suits modern life. Uh, It's impossible to win a debate without paying careful attention to the arguments of your opponent. You just ask any missionary. On Mars Hill, the Apostle Paul was prepared to debate for the hearts, the minds, the souls of the lost. He didn't compromise the truth of God. He spoke from a heart that ached because of what he had seen in the streets and in the temples and in the homes. He did his cultural homework, and then he preached with compassion and insight. He dared to recognize both the strengths and the weaknesses of the culture around him. And can I tell you, my friend, that in the Western world, we're living in a culture that is foreign to the church. It's a foreign culture. Now, too often, we want to run from it. Too often, we want to just completely get away and separate ourselves. Or maybe we... In, in an effort to, to try to win converts, we, we end up being like them. We baptize the culture. Or maybe we, we try to photocopy it. Or maybe we're out to change it. We live in this culture. Quite frankly, here we are. This is where our home is. Even though we're appalled by its excesses. But what we really need to do is roll up our sleeves and be missionaries right where we are. Not running, not wrapping righteous robes about us and becoming like the Essenes who went through ritual purity somewhere way out there in their monasteries. No. 
No, we've got to get in here and wage a debate with this culture and endeavor to win the hearts of men one by one. The proverb says, ask fish to describe their lives and they will forget to mention water. And for modern Western cave dwellers, popular culture is the water in which we swim. We cannot see its effects on us because it is too great. And we're often like debaters who ignore or pretend to ignore our opponent. What kind of missionaries are we? I'm appealing to every one of us today. Instead of running, instead of trying some way or another to to baptize this culture and end up compromising the very things that we believe, I'm saying, let's, with the Word of God and a beautiful attitude and love in our hearts, affect this present age. It was Charles Wesley who said, to serve the present age, my calling to fulfill a lot of things about this age that I do not like. A lot of things that absolutely disturb me. Some things are totally revolting. But I cannot escape. I must be about my father's business. And in this culture, to do everything that I can to win people to Jesus Christ. Father, just now, I'm asking that you would make me the kind of man that I ought to be, not to run from the culture, not to curse it, but to light a candle and bring people to the light of Jesus Christ. Ah, may it consume us. And may we be missionaries who know and understand and love those around us. And we'll praise you. Amen and amen. Thank you, Rex, for the timely message. And we leave you with the same question again. What kind of missionaries are we? We also want to thank Dr. Erwin Lutzer for spending the time with us talking about the seven snares of the enemy. The book is well worth adding to your must-reading or even sharing with family members or friends. To receive your copy, write or call Dayspring. The address is Post Office Box 56300, Portland, Oregon 97238. That's P.O. Box 56300, Portland, Oregon 97238. Or call toll-free 1-800-783-DAYS, 1-800-783-DAYS. Next week, Rex returns with a message that will edify and inspire you to live God's standard for holy living. Now for Rex and the team, goodbye until next week at this same time on this fine station. I will take